If you guys want to go to Acts chapter 11, we're going to try to go through it today in a good timely fashion and beat the heat. Uh, you know, the Lord is, Lord is uh, so good sometimes as you're studying and you're like, Lord, how far should I teach? How far would you have me teach this Sunday? I've been wrestling today about, oh, do I stop at verse 18 or do I go on through the rest of the chapter? I guess we'll see today. I don't know yet, but I do know this, that I had 20 pages of notes and you know, probably a one, one service. Oh, Bibles, lift those hands up. If you haven't, haven't gotten a Bible yet, I see that now they got them. They had to unwrap them from their brand new Bible packaging. So if you need a Bible, lift your hand up real high, Chris, and Mike will get that out to you. But, uh, so yeah, I had, I had about two sermons prepared for tomorrow, and then uh, I forgot we don't have internet down here, and so I wasn't able to get my sermon loaded up on my iPad. So this is going to be off the cuff just for you guys today. Isn't that so exciting? Which always means I go shorter. I mean, there's no rambling when I'm off the cuff at all. So uh, no, I definitely trust the Lord in that. Uh, Joe Papinot and I have a little joke that we do when we're out ranching and we're moving cows and, you know, a gate didn't get open or something spooks, you know, whatever, just things go wrong as things do when you're ranching. And we always do this, like, like, I know what you're doing, Lord. You're just messing with me a little bit just to keep me looking, looking at you, you know? And, and so that's today with the iPad. I was just a little bit like, ah. trying to keep me sharp, aren't you? You know, um, but here we are in chapter 11. And it says, uh, now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. So a little bit of context here with this. Back in Acts chapter 10, we studied it last week. Uh, Peter had a special vision from the Lord that had prepared his heart for non-Jews to now uh, be accepted into the kingdom of God. Uh, that the gospel, the good news of salvation was for more than the children of, of Abraham, but were, were for those that would become children of Abraham by faith. And, uh, and so we're going to actually hear the story yet again of how this happened and the vision. We're going to read it for the third time uh, here in chapter 11, but from Peter's perspective. And uh, but basically the Lord had opened up the door for salvation to go to the non-Jews. We talked about it quite a bit last week of that's relevant for most of us here in Crook County today, because most of us in Crook County today are non-Jews. You know, except for the Newell family. We talked about that last week, but, uh, you know, and, uh, and so we rejoice in that. You know, I, I just rejoice in, you know, a Heinz 57 guy like me who is all Gentile, you know, um, who, who's got a little bit of everything in him and probably a whole lot of pagan. You know, I remember uh, sharing Jesus with a, a, a cowboy over there in Polina couple years ago and as I was telling him about the resurrection of Jesus he said I'm I'm just a pagan you know and uh and and it's like man you know what every single one of us without Jesus are pagans uh Mike Golden from the Calvary and Sisters I remember him talking to him and he was talking about Israel and as much as we're for Israel we pray for the peace of Jerusalem we we long for all Israel to be saved but if Israel is rejecting Jesus guess what they're pagans 
Okay? Anyone who's rejecting our Creator and our Savior is in rebellion against God and is in need of a Savior. And so that's you can enter in Rory Rogers into that. You can enter your name into that. We're in deep need of a Savior. And so uh, chapter 10 is this incredible drama of a Roman centurion and his family having an angel say, go get Peter, bring him to your home, and he's going to tell you how to be saved. We'll see that in our chapter today. And a great story unfolded. Uh, while Peter was preaching to Cornelius, this Roman centurion, preaching to his household, uh, the Holy Spirit fell on all of the listeners. They believed the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They were given gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues and prophesying. And uh, the sermon hadn't even ended yet. you know. And the Lord was moving in the hearts of these brand fresh baby Christian believers. And, and it was after that that Peter said, well, probably should baptize him with water too. And so then they went to the baptismal, and I don't know if it was a horse trough like we do it, you know, or a river, or a, you know, a, a little kiddie pool, you know, blue with the little fishes printed on the bottom of them, you know. But, uh, but they baptized Cornelius and his household and his friends and his servants, the, these new Christians, uh, these first Gentiles. Now, uh, here we see that word of this incredible experience had made it to Jerusalem before Peter even made it back to Jerusalem. Uh, Peter had spent many days there. It's the last verse of uh, chapter 10, verse 48 there. Then they asked him to stay a few days there. So Peter had been hanging out there and probably discipling them and encouraging these new Christians. But word of these Gentiles becoming Christians had made it back to Jerusalem. In fact, it was more than word of their salvation. It was the news that Peter had gone into Cornelius's house and eaten with them. <gasps> Gasp! I know everyone here under the tents, you're all thinking it, right? I can't believe my ears. I can't believe what I, you ate with them. And you guys, this was like a major ceremonial taboo for the Jews. Uh, it was one thing for Cornelius's servants to have come down to Simon the Tanner's house and to have uh, stayed the night there with Peter down at, at that house. It was another thing for Peter to take his guys, all six of his uh, people, to go back up to Cornelius' house, to go into this Gentile's house, and to eat with them. This was a great offense uh, to, uh, to the Jews. And so what does Peter, what does Peter do? Verse 4, Peter explained it to them in order uh, from the beginning, saying... And uh, one of his greatest defenses here was for Peter to just tell the story. You know, to just start at the beginning and to lead them through the story of what had happened to him. And so he's going to do that. And it's and so basically, you guys, we're going to hear the story again. Okay, It's going to be a shorter version. Uh, it's going to be from Peter's viewpoint. The first time we heard it was from Luke's viewpoint of how Luke had heard it. Second time we heard the story was from Cornelius from Cornelius' own lips of what had happened to him. This time we're going to hear it from Peter. You might notice some of the little additions that, that Peter kind of adds uh, that were from his perspective, but he's going to tell it, uh, tell the story from the beginning. And sometimes that's the best, one of the best ways to maybe justify or defend something that 
that the Lord has led us through and to is to just say, hey, here, here we were and here we are. I know that I've had to do that a few times, ways the Lord has led us as a church that maybe people don't always understand or people don't are And I just, man, sometimes when you just take, like, let's tell the story from the beginning of what the Lord has been doing. Oftentimes it opens up eyes and ears uh, to hear. And so uh, Peter opens up and tells the story. So here it is. Are you guys ready? Maybe for the first time for you today, it's your first time hearing the story. And everyone else says, lucky, you know, this is my third time, you know, it shouldn't ever get old for us, okay? We should be rejoicing in the story of our salvation as Gentiles. Here it goes. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. So here's this sheet coming down. We talked about the language is also translated a sail. Maybe it was a shade canopy, like, or really trendy right now, one of those triangular shade canopies or something that was maybe out on his rooftop, and the Lord transformed that into a you know, some sort of a hammock for these animals to be in. One way or the other, he sees this, sees this sheet come down, and it says he observed it intently. One translation says, and I looked into the sheet. You know, so you can kind of picture in this vision that he's having, he peers up over the sheet, and he looks down in there, and there's all sorts of, of wildlife. I mean, what was the guy's name on PBS back in the day? Jim Hanna or something? Oh, Jim Hanna's Adventures or something. But, you know, if you look in and you just see, look at the list there. Four-footed animals. Okay, uh, wild beasts, and I think that that's one of his additions is a uh, wild beast, which is also translated. Uh, you got things like carnivores in this list, things like wolves and coyotes. You know, uh, we got things that we're talking about here that are both clean and unclean that uh, Peter will be commanded to rise up and eat. Creeping things. Um, I don't know if you guys have kind of heard one of the big pushes these days uh, against uh, some of the. The, the farts that cattle make, you know, that are polluting the earth and killing every, you know, the climate change thing. I'm not getting into it, but uh, the one of the latest, uh, I don't know, you guys have seen the documentaries, I'm sure. Um, blame the testes, because I've been around those animals and woo! Call AOC and send her out to Polina, am I right? <laughs> but one of the latest things is uh, we're going to quit eating uh, animals and we're going to start eating bugs. And so one of the latest things is you, you can eat all sorts of puddings made out of bugs and porridges and crispy critters and, you know, and, and you go, ooh, and you cringe. And, and I say it's biblical, guys. I mean, we just gotta got to follow the word of the Lord today. No, I'm joking. You won't see me eating the porridge made out of a beetle. Um, but creeping things, okay, skittling along with their little beady eyes and their arthropods, you know, the technical languages, right? Birds of the air. You know, these birds flying around. He's seen it all. It's all inside this sheet. And he hears this voice saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And uh, and Peter says, Not so, Lord. This is something that's it's like an offense to him that he sees in this sheet unclean animals. I'm reading through Deuteronomy right now. And this week I was reading through the list of the unclean animals that, that the Jews were not to eat. And Peter just says, Man, I, I know Deuteronomy. You know, I know these ceremonially unclean 
things that we're not to eat. And, and the Lord just speaks to Peter and saying, hey, we're moving beyond the ceremonial law. The moral laws will still stand. We'll see that in the book of Acts chapter 15. There will be moral laws that are to continue on. But the, you know, some of these ceremonial things, they're, they're fulfilled in Jesus. He's the picture of these. And so we need to move beyond some of the ceremonial stuff. And there's something deeper than food happening here. Uh, the Lord is putting into Peter's heart a preparation to receive non-Jews into the household of faith. And so at first, though, it's offensive. Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into the heavens. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. So I mentioned last week, and it's worth mentioning again, uh, that on one end of the story, Peter is down in, in, on south on the coast of, of Israel in Joppa, and he's having his vision. But just before that, the day before, uh, about 100 miles north on the same coast, is where the, uh, the man Cornelius was praying and fasting that day. And an angel appeared to him and said, go get Peter, he's down at Simon's house, bring him back and he's going to tell you the words that you must be saved. And it's there that you see the Lord working on both sides of the story. I mentioned that last week, how the Lord does that. And just the commentaries that I was reading, it was neat to see John Stott and J. Howard Marshall and F.F. F. Bruce, these guys all noticed the same thing, that God was working sovereignly to bring the two sides of the story together. And uh, just again, want to encourage you guys, whatever situation you have in your life where you need God to move in your life, in that job, in that home sale, in that property purchase, you know, in that, uh, you know, spouse that you're waiting for, you know, or whatever, be praying that, Lord... You would be moving on that side of things. You'd be softening that heart. You'd be moving on them that they need to sell, you know, or whatever. And just watch the Lord move in those ways. Uh, but he works a, a common thing on both sides of this story. Peter mentions it again. I mean, you look at verse 11 and you read that phrase, at that very moment. And, and we know that that's not a coincidence, is it? I think it was... Uh, Andrew Murray that said, when I pray, coincidences happen. Have you ever noticed that in your life? Oh, there I was praying and, you know, and I had this vision and ding dong. And there's these three guys down at my door and they're saying, hey, we're here to take you up to Caesarea. You need to talk to our centurion. You know, this is when I pray, coincidences happen. <clears throat> and so uh He went to the man's house in verse 13, and he told us how he'd seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose name is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Uh, in 2017, I went to Israel. My pastor, Rob Verdine, had a, a vocal uh, weakness, a problem he's been battling. 
He called me a week before their Israel trip and said, Rory, I need you to go to Israel with me and I need you to do the teachings at it because uh, I can't talk, you know? And so I, I actually had um, dreams that this had happened before, that Rob called me last minute to go to Israel with him. And I always forget my underwear in the story as I'm packing up last minute. And it's like, it turns from like a great thing to a nightmare, you know, um, in the Holy Land without the boxer briefs. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but as we were in Joppa, that was my first trip back to Israel since God had done such a missions movement in our church. And it stirred our hearts so much for the nations. And on day one, we're in Joppa, and you're standing right where Peter had seen this vision, or you know, in the, in the, the same village, the same area, where Peter had seen this village. And you realize that Joppa is also the place something incredible happened in the Old Testament. Anybody remember what happened in Joppa there on the Mediterranean coastline in the Old Testament? There's a man, his name kind of sounds like Joppa, but replace that P with an N and you have Jonah, right? Jonah uh, was the one who was told to go and to, uh, to preach to the pagans up north. And he said, not so, Lord, right? He said the same not so that Peter said, not so, Lord. So he ran down to the dock, the harbor there in Joppa, and he boarded a ship and he went out to the Mediterranean Sea, and you know the story, the Jonah and the being thrown overboard and then swallowed by the whale and spit out just up there in the area that Lord called him to. But uh, interesting, the same place, you have another man being called to go and to preach to the pagans. He starts out saying, not so, Lord. But the Lord says, don't you tell me not so. <laughs> what I have said, do. What I have said, it's okay. What I have said is clean. Don't call it unclean. And so from that same place, a world missions movement begins as Peter goes and he, he goes up north a hundred miles to speak to this non-Jew and his family. And so uh, there's a great lesson there for us. And uh, it's in verse 14, Cornelius says the angel toward Cornelius, those are hard words to say, the angel told Cornelius that Peter will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. That's a beautiful phrase. You might underline it. This is something that chapter 10 doesn't tell us, but that Cornelius, who was a good man, a just man, a devout man, a man of prayer, a man of generosity. We see all that in chapter 10. He was a, he's a good man. He's a man that if you looked at him from the outside, you might think you know, that he was a righteous, born-again Christian. But all of those righteous labors of his flesh were not enough to save him from his sins, to save him from the wrath of God towards sin, and to save him towards um, paradise for all eternity in heaven. It was Cornelius that needed to hear these words, words of salvation. Words that he needed to be saved by. And maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. There's probably quite a few of you here that you're a Christian. Do you remember those words? Do you remember the words that somebody told you at one point? That someone had the courage to kind of step beyond the awkward, you know, moment there and actually speak to your condition, your spiritual condition, to maybe confront your paganism? Maybe for you it was your mom. 
you know, or your dad, and they, you were just a little kid, and they spoke to you words that you needed to be saved by. I know my wife tells her story. She was in the bathtub when her mom shared the gospel with her. She got saved in the bathtub, <laughs> you know. Sorry, choked on my own spit there. You know, uh, where were you? Isn't it a beautiful thing to think back in our testimony the day that someone had the courage at work, you know, or, or out, you know, by the piece of equipment or, you know, at the restaurant, they invited you out to lunch, you get a cold pop, you know, or whatever. And they finally just breached the subject and they told you the words of salvation. I wonder, have you ever breached that barrier and gone and told somebody the words of salvation by which they and their household could be saved. You know that by doing that, by opening up your mouth, you might save a sinner from the judgment of God and save them to eternal hope with, with Christ Jesus, their creator. That you can have a hand in that. And not only them, but maybe your boldness and courage would open up the door for their whole home, their wives, their kids, grandparents, all of their friends, their household, their employees. They could come to know Jesus by your one step of boldness. And you guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world uh, to do is to do what Jesus did with the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and move beyond talking about water to talking about living water. But you guys, it is such a rich thing once you do. The Holy Spirit moves in such power once you do. And so I ask you, do you remember those words? Do you remember somebody telling you the words that you were saved by? Do you remember ever telling anybody those words? And then I ask you this question. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And so you're not saved. You're not saved. The word in, in the Greek is sozo. And it means to be saved, to be delivered, to be healed. To have remedy. And I, I ask you today, have you been saved? Saved from your sin? Saved from the destruction that just your life has brought upon you and those that you love? Have you been saved from eternal damnation in hell? You know, the Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It's not a place that the Lord was like, <laughs> fire. I like fire. And anyone I don't like goes in the fire. Like, that's not the heart of the Lord. But the Lord created this place as a place for destruction for the devil and his angels. But when his creation, mankind, he made in a special class of their own, he made in the image of himself to know him and to commune with him. When they rebelled against him and rejected him and rejected his love and rejected his grace and rejected his mercy and rejected his pursuit of them so that he even came and became a man and dwelt among them and then they rejected him, betrayed him, murdered him, pinned him to an excruciating cross. What, what kind of just punishment do those individuals deserve? Well, the philosophy and the theology is that they deserve hell for all eternity. There's just punishment for such a crime. But in all of that, not only is God just, but he's merciful. And he's made a way for you to not have the wrath of God upon you. And that you simply, like a little child, receive and believe the gift that Jesus has given 
and that he took the wrath of God upon himself at the cross. When the father turned his face away from Jesus and laid the wrath upon him at the cross as Jesus bled and died. And Jesus's blood is truly able to save us and to wash away our sins. And so God is a merciful God that if you would just hope in Jesus, believe in Jesus, all your sins, all that you've ever done from the time that you were, you know, uh, very little and you stole the cookie from the cookie jar and you cheated on the math test and, you know, you borrowed your friend's, you know, uh, remote control car or whatever. You borrowed the Xbox game and never gave it back. And, and then now it's like, you know, now you passed it on to your kids and your kids' kids, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, funny how all of those things are added up. And the Psalms say, if all of our sins were held up against me, I could never stand. But then the Psalm says, but there is mercy with you, Lord. And that's the hope for you today. There's mercy in these words by which you can be saved. Starting to get a little warmer, you guys. So if you have to move into the shade, move into the shade and look at all this shade up here. We could be close to each other. Come on up. Just feel free, you guys, if you need to move around. And so I would ask you if you've ever been saved a uh, friend of my pastor, he uh, he had spent some time in prison and uh, found repentance in prison and started walking with the Lord and was baptized with the Holy Spirit in prison and led a prison ministry and guys were getting saved. And when he was let out of prison, he was just like unchained and able to just go share the gospel with people. And one time he visited Corvallis and my job was to go pick him up from the uh, airport. I picked this guy, his name was Jeff. I picked him up and he's just like telling everybody about Jesus at the airport. We get in the car and we stop to get some dinner on our way home. And I think it was like at a Denny's or something. And as the lady is uh, taking his order, he goes, are you a saved waitress? <laughs> She's like, what? You know, and I'll just never forget that. Just that bold, like, are you a saved waitress? Which begs the question if, you know, if you're not a saved waitress, you got to ask like, What's a saved waitress? And then a perfect opportunity to share what I've just shared with you today, that you can have the wrath of God towards you upon Jesus and not on you, and you can be saved from the wrath of God. So are you a saved, insert your occupation, are you saved? Cornelius had to come to the point where he realized, in all my goodness, in all my almsgiving, in all my generosity, in all my prayers, I'm not saved. It takes humility to, to realize that, doesn't it? And so he was humble enough to say, okay, we're going to invite Peter into our home. And so, uh, let, where are we? Where are we here? Oh, I flip back to chapter 10. I don't know how that happened. Uh, so, verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They don't get overcome by this phrase, as I began to speak, like right when he holds up the mic and he's like, I'd like to thank you all for coming. And then, blah, 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 blah. like, wow, that was, you know, that's uh, that's like a uh, Semitic term, which means like he had just begun speaking. He had been in the midst of speaking. Chapter 10 kind of helps clarify. He wasn't done with the message when the Holy Spirit came upon them. You might underline that word, fell upon. Uh, I don't have my notes on me, you guys, but it's something like epi- Hipsito or something like that. Okay, it's kind of a fun little phrase to say. Epi, we know that, we studied it quite a bit, is to come upon. And then Hipsito 
uh, means to fall. So the Holy Spirit, he came and he came upon in powerful, in a forceful way. He came upon uh, these Gentile new Christians. And Peter says he came upon them just like he came upon us on our day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so as some said, this is the Pentecost for the Gentiles that's happening here. And then I remembered the word of the Lord in verse 16, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he takes us back to Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, John had a baptism of water unto repentance. Still good, still necessary. Anyone who becomes a Christian needs to take this first step of obedience now that they're a Christian and show the world that they're a new creation in Jesus, having been buried with Jesus in baptism. And as Jesus rose from the dead, so too they rise to newness of life. Uh, And so that's John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. And by the way, a little plug here, just a little bit. uh, We're going to have a baptism here in the summer services. We'll have a baptism. Uh, And if you're a follower of Jesus and have never made that public statement uh, and told the world, I've decided to follow Jesus. The old me is dead. The new me is alive to Jesus. Uh, We encourage you to just take that bold step of obedience and and to do that in the midst of your friends and your brothers. Uh, even uh, today, I just sensed, oh man, we, we got to get that baptism out. I think you know we're gonna we're gonna just have it available. I had Corey go look at the creek and kind of tromp through the willows to see how the creek was, and it's a little hazardous at the moment. So uh, so if you're here today, you've never been baptized. Just want to prep your heart to step out in obedience and to make a stand for Jesus today. So. Have you been saved? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? So John baptized with water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit upon Christians. He will baptize you and pour the Spirit out upon you. And hopefully you've heard this enough around here as we study the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The purpose is not that you can get all wacky and crazy and get all kinds of weird goosebumps down. You know? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, But biblically, it's so that you will have gifts of the spirit, primarily that you'll have courage to open up your mouth and to tell people the gospel, how they can be saved. And so we were reading the Action Bible on Friday morning with the kids, and I figured out how to screencast it from my Kindle to the uh, TV screen. Just a little plug for you parents out there. If you're wondering how to disciple your kids and read the Bible and Action Bible, put it on the screen, go through the comic book with them, teach them about the Lord. And uh, and Titus, who's sitting on my lap, kind of snuggling, turns around with his little mohawk he's got. He's like, Dad, have you always been a Christian? You know? Yes, son. Since I was born, I was in my mother's womb, a righteous man. John the Baptist of today, you might say. You know, no, I just talked about like, yeah, just like you guys, you know? I was born a sinner, and I went to church a lot. Never really liked going to church. And, uh, you know, just kind of, like, I, I believed in Jesus. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus died for my sins. I loved him. Uh, and yet I went through this period kind of in my formation, my young formation of like, oh, just not wanting to go to the church. Just having a bad attitude. And, and maybe I was saved, but just, oh, just not... I was very selfish. I was, it was ugly. I was just an ugly person. And, and then that camp that I was telling you about, that first day of camp, 
when the Holy Spirit met me and about six other high schooler boys in my cabin when we were just praying for the night. Um, he came upon me. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as a 14-year-old, like I've never been the same. Just he's thrust me into wanting to live for him. He's thrust me into wanting to serve for him. He's thrust me into having gifts that I can use and serve in the church and the community and tell people about him and, and just tell them the kids. Like there was just a noticeable difference in my life when I was 14 years old at that camp. And, and I believe that's when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage you guys today. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And I just even pray that it, just like it happened with Cornelius, that as the word is being taught right now, you would just be able to say, Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I want to have just uh, just a, a extra power in my life to live for you and talk about you and, and be excited about you and, and to have gifts that I can use for you. And, and I believe this is, you know, sometimes you see that prayed for. Sometimes you see hands laid on people for that in the book of Acts. Sometimes it happens just in the middle of the Bible study. There's just nothing needs to be done. And so I would just invite you to just be open today to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so, verse uh, 17, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I that I could withstand God? So remember, Peter's telling his story to the, uh, to the Jews in Jerusalem. They're Jewish Christians, okay? And so they're just still, they're in that interesting place of like, yeah, we believe in Jesus, we're saved by grace, but man, we have deep within our culture and our heritage, we have deep within us, you know, the, the, the custom of circumcision. We have deep within us the Mosaic law. We have such a value for the law, not going in and eating with Gentiles, even though they totally misread the Bible on that point. And, and just they're struggling with it. And Peter just says, this was my story. And I came to the, I had to ask two rhetorical questions when everyone was baptized with the Holy Spirit while I was preaching. If God gave us the same Holy Spirit, did God just do that? Did, did God just have a Pentecost happen to a bunch of Gentiles in Caesarea? Is this really happening? Second question, how could I withstand God? How can I say not so? You got the sheet coming down from heaven and inside of it are Roman centurions and servants and Greeks and Latins and Egyptians and all kinds of just non-Jews in this sheet. And the Lord is saying, take these people into the household of faith. How can I say no? And I was just thinking that, you know, I was reading some commentaries. John Stott, Scottish preacher, died about 10 years ago. Wonderful. He's like the guy to read on Acts, you know. Uh, and, and he just, as I read the last two weeks, it's almost like he was alive in 2020 to 2022, you know. Uh, and he writes about um, racism, you know. He writes about, uh, and, and, and I bring this up just because it's just stuff that's going on out there. And he he's addresses it in his commentary to chapter 10. And he writes about the words in, in the commentary yesterday were nationalism. You know, that's just a phrase, the buzzword going around right now. You know, and just these phrases, I don't have the quote for you. My Bible didn't upload or anything like that. 
And, uh, and you know, we're in Prineville, and, and many of us have a similar point of view on some of this stuff. And I would just say, though, that when you read Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, we would be able to shout out with joy with the church for the last 2,000 years that in the Christian community, there's no place for racism. There's no place for um, bigotry, right? There's no place for uh, nationalism in the sense that doesn't mean we can't love our country. That doesn't mean we can't, you know, fight for our country, serve our country, be leaders for our country. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't value our country or invite people into our country or, or anything like that. What it means is that we would say that this is it and the kingdom of God is subservient to this. Okay? Uh, there's no place for that within uh, Christianity. And, uh, and so it opens up our heart and that may not really be an issue to us. I think I know many of us here and like, well, none of those are really, that's not too convicting to me. But, you know, there's a lot of us here, though, that if someone were to come here and desire to be a part of our body, and, you know, they had maybe tattoos all up and down their arms or up their neck, maybe a face tattoo, just one of those real nice looking ones, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe some nice uh, gauges in their ears, you know, and a chain that went from one gauge through their nose and into the, I don't know if that's a thing, but and then down to their belly button, which is totally a thing, you know. Or, you know, maybe they could come and they're wearing a tube top, you know, or, or maybe they're wearing, you know, maybe a lot of us, it's like, man, you got to have your, got to have your cinches on, you know, you got to have a leather boots on, you got to have a tucked in, you know, collared shirt. That's what it's got to be. No hats or yes hats or head coverings or no head coverings or, you know, and we start creating these dichotomies or we start creating the barriers. It's not racism, but it's uh, classism, right? It's different culture. I'm making words up as we go. Forgive me. I'm not very well read, you know. Uh, but it's, it's um, you know, what do the Indians have different castes as you go over to India? You know, and man, that is not something that, that when you, the gospel comes into a culture, casteism goes away. Classism goes away. You know, in the kingdom of God, there's neither male nor female. Now, that doesn't mean there's not genders. There are genders. God's created them in the beginning, male and female. And there are roles within the genders. This is biblical stuff. But both are equally valued before the throne of God. He created them in his image, male and female, he created them. And so for what is it what is it for us? You know, recently just being among different people that are different than me, wearing different clothes, uh, styling their hair different. You know, listening to different, I mean, it's just way different. And I was just convicted, like, Rory, what if I wanted to bring these in? Would they be welcome at, at Calvary Chapel? Or do they have to fit? And, and I just pray to God, and I think that I think that I can rejoice that I think they would feel welcome here with us. And that doesn't mean we wink at sin. That doesn't mean that we, uh, we don't open our arms up to uh, philosophies of the world and humanism. And those kinds of things that are in direct warfare with God and his, and his concepts and precepts. But we open our, our arms up to these people to be saved, as Peter did with Cornelius. And we're, do, we're done here, so worship team, come on up. That answers your question if I'm going past into verse 19. So, and, uh, but verse 18 is what I want to close on today. When they heard these things, so this is all the Jews of the circumcision, they hear the story of Peter, 
When they heard these things, they became silent. And this is totally like a scene from a movie, right? Where, and it's in a lot of movies these days. So you, you pick the movie that comes to your mind where our hero, you know, says something. Maybe it's a great speech, you know, or something. And they're trying to convince the mob something. They're trying to convince the crowd something, you know. Uh, the tavern or whatever. Wherever people are gathered and they, they make their case. And then it's silent, you know. And someone has like a chicken wing in their mouth, you know. Or someone's holding a mug. or And everyone just stands there. And it makes you wonder, what what's the outcome of this speech going to be? And then after like that nice pause of about five seconds to ten seconds, everybody just, yay! Right? And you guys, your mind goes to some movie, nothing like that? Me neither. I was just thinking that, you know. But there was this awkward silence. They all were silent. Peter just spoke. He made his speech. Awkward silence. This was a moment just like that right there. An awkward silence. The stare down. Some of you wondering, I thought he said he was done. He's still going, okay? The awkward silence. And then the yay. Yeah! Alright! Who was that over there? Oh, you great. You guys. You're awesome. Okay? That's what happened. The Jews, they, they cheered, in a sense. They rejoiced. They were glad. They glorified God. And, and they said that God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Anybody else? Let's cheer the Lord for that. Any Gentiles here today that are excited to hear that? Gentiles right here. So glad to hear that God has granted us repentance to life. And this shows the sovereign power of God in salvation that the Lord grants repentance. And you can just pray that over your life where there is still the need for repentance. Turning away from that sin or turning away from that worldly pleasure. Turning away from that sinful thing or that mindset that you've had that's wrong. And you need to repent and turn and go the other direction. And just right now you need to know that that's not something that you just do. Like, and there I was and I repented. <laughs> you know, No, it's like, and the Lord granted to my heart repentance. He granted to my mind repentance. But there's also, though, the, the, the mystery and the paradox. The New Testament tells us that, and, and you need to repent. You need to do it. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Unless you repent, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I call to you now. God is here with an open hand to grant you repentance. Will you repent? Repent. Turn away from the sin. Turn away from your worldview that is counter God and say, you're right, Lord. You're right. And I bow the knee of my heart before you. And what happens when there's repentance? The Jews here called it repentance to life. Wherever there's repentance, wherever there's destroying those sinful things that you have at your home, you burn them, you blow them up, you shoot them, whatever it is, you know, you delete it, you get rid of it. You, you confess it, there's life. There's, there's a revival that happens in you, and that spreads to your household, and that spreads to the world. And we rejoice today. God has granted to us repentance to life. Will you guys set your things aside and pray with me as we close down here?
just want to give opportunity today for uh, anyone here in this amphitheater who, when you came into this grass today, you were not a Christian. You were uh, what the cowboy in Polina said, he called himself a pagan. You were a non-believer. You had never received the good news of what Jesus has done for you. And you never received forgiveness of your sins. You were unsaved. Unregenerate. But today the message has been for you. That the salvation and the saving work of God has come this far from Israel all the way across the European Empire, the continent, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, all the way across the United States. And here, the salvation message of God is here in this park today, just for you. That today you were able to hear words by which you can be saved. And so today I want to invite you to be saved. Just as a a floundering, drowning victim would be out in the waters of the Oregon coast and and the, the Coast Guard vessel would come and cast a lifeline and draw that individual up into the safety of the ship. Today the Lord wants to bring you out of those tempestuous waters and into the safety of His arms. He wants to save you today. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, but today you would like that. You would like to have your sins forgiven. You would like to know that the wrath of God has been taken by Jesus and is no longer upon you. You'd like to know that when you die, you have the hope of heaven in paradise forever. I want to ask you right now where you're at. Will you lift your hand up? Will you lift your hand up right where you're at? I want to pray for you. I want to help you walk with Jesus. I want to help you follow Him. I want to help you enjoy salvation. Anybody here today, you just know that the Lord brought you to such a place for such a time as this, for here, for now. And you know you need to be saved and you want that today. Lord sees your hand up there in the back. Praise the Lord. Such a wonderful thing to see somebody say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus. I need salvation of sin. What a wonderful thing as you lift your hand up. Just, I just speak a word over you that the same thing that was for Cornelius would be for, for you and for your whole household. But just by you making a step of faith for Jesus and even acknowledging that he's touching your heart today, that just salvation would flow through your home and through your workplace. But as you lift your hand today, anybody else, just lift your hand where you're at. Say, I need this forgiveness of sin. I want this new life. And as you lift your hand, anybody else who would like to join this person, you can just 
have joy and gladness in your heart. Knowing that all those things that you've done, thought, said, all those places you've gone, all those things you, you know were not right, you know the Lord knows. Just receive today forgiveness. Anybody else today, you want to receive forgiveness? The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't put it off another day. You put it off long enough, the Lord is saying to you today. You put it off long enough. Today is the day of salvation. Anybody else today? You want new life, a fresh start. who raised your hand and maybe anybody else I'm just going to pray a prayer and this isn't a prayer that's just a bibbity bobbity boo magic formula or anything I just want to help you articulate just a heart of repentance and a heart of faith towards the Lord and anybody else maybe you just didn't just like ah sense the Lord just knocking on the door of your heart like do you hear this guy he's talking right to you and you're just wrestling right now. Gosh, I just encourage you, just stop the wrestling match. We were literally driving to church today. I don't know how this came up, but Laney and Tatum in my truck, and they're like, why do people say uncle when they're in a wrestling match? I'm like, I don't know. Why are you even saying this? You know, and I don't know. Uncle, for some reason, means I give up. I give up. And maybe that's just the word for you today is uncle. You've been striving against the Lord and you need to just give up the wrestling match. I'm going to just pray a prayer. Maybe you would just give up the fight against him and just surrender to him today. You might even lift your hand as you pray this prayer. Just pray after me. Lord Jesus, today I have heard the words that I can be saved. I've heard that your grace Extends so far that it comes to me. And that I don't have to labor. I don't have to do any religious works to earn a place with you or to try to appease you of your wrath. But I've heard today that Jesus has done that for me. And so I say, here I am, Lord. Let that have been for me too. Let that be for me too. You know what I've done. And I know that if the list was made, it would be so embarrassing. It would be just, there's no way I could atone for it myself. But I hear today that there's mercy with you. And so I desire mercy. Pour out mercy upon upon me and on my home, on my household, on my friendships. Do a work in me, Lord. Or just if you prayed that prayer, just... Breathe a sigh right now. Just breathe and just a relief. Knowing that your sins are forgiven. And maybe you're here today and you've heard about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And boldness and new life. And courage to open up your mouth and tell people about Jesus. And spiritual gifts so you can serve in the church with power and edify the church and maybe that was just something that struck deep for you today and 
and you just sense the Lord saying, I have that for you today. And, and maybe even you sense the Lord uh, during the service that he poured out his spirit upon you. And I would just say, step out today in, in faith that that happened. Step out in faith today that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and walk forward from this point forward with boldness and courage, trusting that he's moved in your life in this way. And finally, just as Cornelius' household heard the word of salvation, they believed and were saved, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, then they were baptized with water. I want to open up the baptismal now uh, there in the back for anyone who would say, I believe in Jesus and I've never been baptized. And that might mean that 15 years ago you became a Christian or 20 years ago you became a Christian and you've just never done that most basic elementary thing that God has called you to do, to make a public confession that you are a Christian and all of your old sinful stuff is buried with Jesus and now you're living a new life for Him and not for yourself. And you just never made that obedient step with the Lord. Today I invite you to do that with me, to meet me at the waters of baptism. We've got towels over there. It's a nice sunny day. You'll be dry in about 15 minutes probably. Or maybe today, today you prayed a prayer of salvation. Today is your first day as a Christian. Today you were born again. It's your birthday. And today you would say, you know what, on my birthday, I also want to be baptized like Cornelius in his home. And I would invite you on day one of your birthday to come over to make a public stand for Jesus. Can we all say amen? Amen. amen. Let's close in this song and I'm going to be over at the waters. And uh, at any point you kind of see people moving towards the waters to be baptized, we can kind of pivot ourselves that direction and just rejoice at these declarations of faith this morning.